Waiheke, can you dig it? Kia ora, I'm Chris and I'm a keen veggie gardener, but I'm just a novice. So I've decided to talk to locals who have greener thumbs than me to see what I can learn about composting, raising seeds, sowing and getting a bumper crop of fruit and veg. Brought to you by Waiheke Radio, your community radio station. This is Can You Dig It? Kia ora. welcome to episode 4 of Can You Dig It? Brought to you by Waiheke Radio. I've got two conversations to share with you this week. First up, Eddie Welsh of Starter Plants. He returns and he's talking about what to plant at this time of year and how to take care of what you sow in this sweltering weather. Then I have a conversation with Teresa Quinn about the Reach Out Garden and the amazing crops been growing down there at Fossil Bay. Talking to all of the guests I've had on the podcast so far has made me think about how I'd like to be a bit more planned and organised in my gardening. There's some great books and resources around to help with that. One book I've drawn on is The Edible Backyard by Kath Irvine. Inspired by that book, I've established a perennial border around my veggie garden. It's a thickly planted strip of perennial plants like herbs, rhubarb, borage, ricotto chilies. Plants that put down good roots to draw some water towards the veggie beds, provide some wind protection for new seedlings and flowers to attract the bees. Another book I've been reading recently is The Abundant Garden by Neva and Yotam Kay. They run a commercial permaculture garden near Thames, so their climate is not dissimilar to ours. It's a book that's really full of practical advice informed by their experience. I got it out of the library and it's due back, so keep an eye out for that there. Okay, let's hear from this week's first guest. Well, it's great to have Eddie Welsh from Starter Plants back on Can You Dig It? And last time Eddie was here, he uh, shared some great advice on what to do in the garden. We we had a bit of history as well, so do go back and and check that out. It's episode one of the podcast. But Eddie's back now that we're heading into February. Uh, Still very, very hot, but, you know, with an eye, I suppose, on some of the cooler months uh, ahead of us, and to have a bit of a talk about what we should be doing in the garden at the moment. How are you, Eddie? Oh, yeah, and enjoying summer that we missed out last year. We got a little bit of water coming, but we've got great warm temperatures. Capsicums are booming out. I'm picking cucumbers and zucchinis and finally tomatoes. So I'm loving summer, but I'm thinking about autumn and winter right now. Yeah, and on your stall, we're going to start to see kind of a different range of of plants coming on, aren't we? We are. Um, You know, with um, anything in the onion family, including leeks, they take six to seven months. So I keep them for two months, sell them, and you've got to get some growth on. And then they hold over winter. But like a lot of things that take a longer period of time, they're what's called a biennial. They grow one season, and then as soon as we get long days in the spring they go to seed so if we don't have some decent size on our leeks going into winter they're just going to sit all winter and then go to seed on us so what are the other things that you were saying things from the onion family so is it onions and so on we should be oh and then um what we call brassicas that's a that's a genus but in that group is cabbage cauliflower broccoli all those things that are closely related they take about four to five months and um, so I've got little seedlings I'll be planting in my garden now and selling. And those will put on growth over the next three months. Then they just kind of hold and 
over winter and we just harvest them so i always say for february you're planting for autumn March, you're planting for winter, and uh, then uh, if you plant in April, that's for the early spring. So when you're putting these these crops in that are going to overwinter, I mean, obviously we're putting them in now with some of the hottest days on record. Um, you know, lots of sun, hot, dry days, very little rain. What do you need to do to take care of these things so they don't just all shrivel up and die before we even get to those cooler months? Well, the reason a lot of people are hesitant to plant now, even though I'm urging them to, is two things. Uh, water. And in the case of the brassicas, we got some white butterfly around and the caterpillars from that. So uh, if you can just preserve that kitchen water or even... Uh, shower water any of those things and uh, water sparingly your little seedlings that means you're going to have your own produce in autumn if you wait until autumn to plant you're not going to see anything developing until spring yeah and there's some other stuff though um you know so that's kind of thinking thinking a bit further ahead but there's probably some faster growing things that we could have still got time to be growing oh yeah well we've still got three three good months of growing um it's not just temperature, it's day length. So we're currently at about 14 hours of day length, and that's fantastic for growing. Every month, we drop an hour. So we got a 13 next month, and then we get a 12, and we get a 10. When we get below 10, everything just shuts down, and it just kind of holds. It doesn't actively grow, and that's on the 20th of, mo- of May. So we, we've got three, three and a half months of good growing yet to go so i'll be sowing carrots i'll be sowing beetroot i'll be sowing it directly in the garden parsnips even all those things will develop and grow over summer autumn and then they'll just sit in my garden to harvest over the winter you got well and truly time to finish lettuce because they only take about two months from planting Uh, so get lettuce and greens in keep planting those right through all year round in fact and I, I suppose a lot of those kind of quick-growing summer crops, like things like radishes, if anyone still grows those and so <laughs> yes. on, you know, you can still sow all of that stuff. Yep, and and um, turnips. There's a nice little um, sweet uh, white turnip called Tokyo Cross. There, somebody's selling the, the finished turnips at the markets, and that's a great thing. It only takes 60 days. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about um, water. Do we need to uh, have shade or, you know, should we be thinking about... Look, uh, watering is is probably best done in the evenings or the morning. You get the most growth out of plants early morning. But um, if you water in the heat of the day, which I have to do with my seedlings, you get a lot of evaporation occurring. So it's probably best to water evenings, mornings in your garden. Lots of mulch. You can use lawn clippings as mulch. Um, Compost is great mulch. Or you can buy some shredded bark as mulch. But mulch like crazy. Um, Also watering individual plants um, saves a bit of water. And um, thinking about ground cover, you know, you talked about mulching. And I mean, another way of mulching, you know, later in the season is obviously just kind of you know the overlapping leaves of things like like brassicas and so on i mean what's your, what do you what do you think people should be doing there do you think space them out or kind of pack them in and then pick out and and keep well, the the ones that are thriving yeah or? i'm like most people on waiheke i don't have a huge area that gets full sun to have a veggie garden so uh, as soon as something comes up bang i put something in uh, if I've got a crop that's going to take a long time to develop, 
I'll plant a crop of lettuces in between it or some radishes in between it. And I try to um, get every bit of ground covered either by the leaves of plants or mulch. You know, nature um, doesn't want to have ground exposed. <laughs> so it produces lots of weeds for us. And one way or another, ground gets covered by nature. Uh, I prefer to leave out the weeds and have either mulch or plants. Uh, the things like the you know the beetroots and and the carrots you're sowing at the moment. I mean, obviously, once you know you've kind of well, you, some people would do it in rows if you like me. I lazy. I mix it up in a bit of compost and yep. and scatter it round, and then you know rely on some thinning thinning later on. That those those seeds you know sitting on top of you know in the in the harsh sunlight. Um, could you cover those? Well. The first thing is, if you've got a cat, you have to cover them because <laughs> they might decide to use that as their toilet. So um, a little strip of shade cloth works nicely. Um, also, just, just Google some of these things and find out how, how long it takes for them to germinate. So radishes take about five days. Um, beetroot takes about 10 days. Carrots take about 14 days, and parsnips take about 21 days. So something that's going to take 21 days, you can just put a little piece of board over the top and remember to lift it up in two weeks' time, and that way it's staying nice and moist and, and dark, but they're going to start germinating. Now, if they start to germinate when you get the board over it, that's going to cause problems. They're going to be very white and leggy. But, um, yeah, covering them with newspaper, uh, anything like that. So just find out how many days it takes to germinate. And, yeah, you can cover it with any kind of organic material or even a piece of board or shade cloth just while that germination is occurring. As soon as they germinate, they need full sun. Yeah. They also need watering two or three times a day on a really hot day. You don't want the seed to get wet, start the germination process, and then dry out. And that's one of the reasons people usually fail when they're direct seeding. They didn't appreciate that it's really an intensive care for a short period of time. And just to, to kind of finish off, what are the things that people are kind of saying to you, oh, you know, I want to plant this, but really they've, they've left it too late. The well, time's any, up. any pumpkins or, or anything uh, like watermelons, it's too late. Um, I wouldn't buy a little seedling of, um, of peppers now because they're going to take too long. I have uh, still got a few big peppers in pots where you can get them from the garden centers as big advanced plants. But basically, those things fruit all summer and you know, we're halfway into it, so you're not going to get it. Um, I'll be selling a few late tomatoes, but then that's it. Um, those those kind of things, you might get a few tomatoes and then winter comes. So basically all those things that you plant spring, labor weekend, and they're going to fruit all season, well, we're halfway into it now, so it's just a bit late. Yeah. Okay, and you're with the with the weather. Well, hopefully, taking a bit of a cooler turn at some point. You you starting to s- slow down in the in the market stalls as well. Oh yeah, well I'm coming monthly now because um, there's not that much to fill up your garden. A lot of gardens are full, and it's just kind of filling up those gaps as they come available. And uh, yeah, I also need a little bit of a break, so uh, I feel once a month we'll do it now, and then I just shut down over winter as the plants do. So hopefully everybody's got their gardens chocker full going into winter and we can all have a break 
and uh, charge into it in the spring again. Yeah, yeah, but it'd be good to get you back in um, before we really get into winter and just kind of think a little bit about some of those things you might put in, as you say, just to kind of overwinter really for, for spring growth as well. So sure, we and we always up. need constant reminding, and I also have to remind myself that I should be sowing things. Yeah, great. Great. Thanks for coming in, Eddie. Great to have your advice. If you follow the community social media pages, mm. you will have seen the most amazing cabbages. The most amazing cabbages, I think, that I've ever seen. They were perfect. They were round. They were tight. They were crisp. And they were in abundance. And those cabbages came from uh, the Reach Out Garden in Corora Road, just down the road from Waiheke Radio, in fact. Uh, that garden has been thriving and producing the most amazing uh, crops uh, which have been out for sale and people have been going down and and picking those up and Teresa Quinn from Reach Out is with me today. Hello Teresa. Hello Chris. So tell us a little bit about the Reach Out garden because you know there's a there's a, a story behind this isn't there? There sure is. Uh, Reach Out Waiheke has been on Waiheke, going on Waiheke now for uh, two years and our purpose is to create connections in the community with a particular spotlight on mental wellness. We have volunteers who help us do that work. We connect them up with people who are isolated and they head off into the community and do whatever it is that they like to do. We wanted to have another initiative under our belts. We wanted another way to create communities. So we created the gardens called the the wellness gardens, the reach out wellness gardens. And um, they have been going strong ever since. We've got them on Barry Fenton's land, which is incredibly kind of him and his wife to let us do that. Uh, we have got sponsorship from Waiheke Landscape for Um, the soil and we've taken it from there we have volunteers who turn up um, and help us tend them we have seedlings from Eddie who's been on your show Uh, we've had Shah Maitland who helped us get started and together we have created this garden that is as you say producing wildly yeah so you you know gardening expertise i mean the standard of of stuff that you're producing is is amazing so where has the gardening experience came from sure well we got sharon to start with who has been a gardener for a very long time and done olives and grapes and general general gardening she was instrumental in getting us up and running Uh, eddie helps us out all the time he drops off seedlings comes to see us once a week um, and gives us the benefit of his expertise. Uh, I've been gardening for a long time, but I'm no expert. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm also no stranger to getting my hands dirty. Also, some of the volunteers that come, some come to learn, some come to connect, some come because they, they like the place and they bring their own expertises with them. So it's a joint effort. And 
I need to ask you about those cabbages. <laughs> you know, I mean, as I described before, they were just the most outstanding kind of, you know, extraordinary examples of cabbages. It seems like a weird thing to get excited about. But, you know, you think about, you know, like old days of going along to the A&P show and, and people would have their prize vegetables. Now, those would have been prize winning cabbages. So what was the secret? How did you turn those out? I mean, because it's something I think that's a feature of all of the stuff that you're producing out of that garden. It really is outstanding. Yes, well, hilariously, those cabbages have got a lot of attention. Um, Eddie gave us the seedlings. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, They were planted under Shah's tuition. Thanks, Shah. Uh, And the growers tended them. And we knew enough to do things like uh, pick the outer leaves off and uh, care for them till they get to the point that the bugs don't get to them, etc. They're called cannonball cabbages. Uh, which I think is really fitting because, as you say, they're they're small and tight uh, and beautiful. They don't, they don't have any of that kind of bitter cabbage smell. And uh, we produced a lot of them. We had up to, I think the last count was 140 of them planted. We did get to the stage where we were like, what are we going to do with all these cabbages? We hadn't sold anything at that stage. It was the first thing that we'd planted in the gardens. And they just went crazy. So we were like, what are we going to do with them? And then we came up We came up with a few scenarios. We'd sell them at the market. We'd sell some at the gate at Kororā Street. Uh, and then we were like, well, we're still going to have heaps. Uh, why don't we turn them into kimchi? And so that set us off on the next adventure. We never did get to sell them at the garden gate. They were so popular that um, every time we put any out at the garden stall at Kororā Street, they would just disappear that day. They were incredibly popular. We turned a hundred of them into kimchi, and that's another story. <laughs> yeah, now the kimchi, you ran some, some workshops in conjunction with um, WRT, is that right? That's right. We did one, one workshop. Uh, they very generously lent us their kitchen so that we could do that. We had about 10 people come in who wanted to learn to make kimchi and just be part of it. Some of them were part of growing those cabbages right from their seedling stage. Uh, and we spent the day uh, roughing those cabbages up, uh, cutting them, working them, uh, making the sauce, working the sauce in, bottling them and putting stickers on, on them. And we came up with 35 to 40 jars and they also flew out the door. We just could not have enough of them. So we think we're going to do the whole thing again. You also, um, we've been enjoying in our house, you know, the, um, the new potatoes that have been coming out of the, the Reach Out garden. And now I've been growing potatoes at home and they were a disaster. Mm. Um, you know, a beautiful plants, um, you know, I mounted them up. You know, it's difficult to find enough material to mound them up, but, you know, mounded <laughs> them up a bit, you know, and picked the flowers off and gave them plenty of time. And then, you know, thinking, great, I'm going to have some of these potatoes for Christmas Day. And then underneath, just nothing. There was, you know, if there is anything there, it's tiny. Now, But you have been growing, as I say, amazing potatoes. So what's your mm. secret? What have you been doing? Well, I guess the first secret is what kind to plant we've been planting agria which are they're resistant and they're really tasty people love agria they're the, those whitish yellowish fluffy ones that absorb a hell of a lot of butter um, 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and one of the mistakes we made, was we overwatered. So some of them, when we dug them up, were a bit rotten. So I think one of the tricks is not to overwater. We've got a sprinkler system that goes on every night, and I expect that that's too much. I mean, one of my philosophies is that the first year in a garden is learning how to garden, learning what that garden likes, because some of it is there's no rhyme or reason. There are some corners that just don't do well, who knows why. So we were delighted that it was a really good crop of potatoes first time round. And honestly, I think there was a bit of luck involved in that as well. We just lucked in. But keep trying, don't overwater, mound them up as you say. Don't be afraid to leave them in the ground. You can. You don't have to dig them up quickly. When the tops die off, it's okay to leave them. In fact, as Eddie said, that's actually the best place to store them for at least a while anyway, if you're not ready to deal with them. And what are the other things that you've got on the go down in the garden? So... Um, you know, I think I've seen beetroot. Is that right? But you know, what else? Yes. Is, what else are you growing at the moment? We've got beetroot and radishes. We grow some herbs as well to um, fend off the pests because it's a no-spray garden. So we have tansy and things like that. Uh, we have lots of courgettes and tomatoes. You know, the usual suspects. Um, we have a lot of asparagus that wasn't ready this year, but will be ready. Um, the next crop will be ready for sale. We have corn growing, that's nearly ready, that's our next crop for sale. We have Betty's Bountiful Beans, which are exactly how they sound. They are just so prolific, so we'll be putting those out at the gate soon. Um, and I think that's all I can think of at the moment. So, you know, for, for people who are listening are home gardeners, you're growing on a different scale, as you say, 140 cabbages. What are some of the, the challenges or differences that you've found between, say, your home gardening and taking on a garden of that scale? Yeah, so the home garden, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty random gardener. My, my garden is prolific with all sorts of things, but they're all mixed up. Uh, the gardens at Reach Out, the wellness gardens, are a lot more orderly. And you plant a lot of things, and then you have a lot of volunteers who help you deal with it. Um, you don't want to get it wrong, whereas my garden at home, I don't mind if things go wrong. doesn't matter so much. But the wellness gardens, you really want it to go well, and you've got enough volunteers who care. So there were volunteers who come to that garden who are really committed, and they'll turn up uh, to water and just to check it out, to pick the produce. So I think care is the answer there. The daily business of going over your plants um, to keep abreast of what's happening. Is it bolting? Um, are there bugs laying? Uh, are the white butterflies hanging out? Are they happy with the companion planting that you've chosen for them? Those kind of things. I think the more attention you give a garden, the better it's going to be and the better you're going to be because you're going to be proud of what you've done. And is that volunteer base, is that now um, moved into you know composting, soil care and so on as well? Yes. So we've got a couple of grants in to get some um, compost bins. We work with WRT with that. Uh, so we're hoping that that's going to be our next phase, that we'll have our own compost up and running. Because, you know, as you know, it's an integral part of, of any garden. 
And what's the what are the ambitions for the for the future of the garden? You know, what's what do you hope will come next? Because I mean, it's relatively new, isn't it? A relatively new venture. It is. We started in July this year. Um, our aim is to create community connection. So we're doing that by partnering with organisations such as WRT. Uh, we want to uh, we want to partner with restaurants etc for produce and sponsorship we partner with individuals people who come and help us out for example um, Eddie who comes around uh, and drops off seedlings Uh, we partner with individuals who come and work there so it's really just an excuse to create yet another network of organizations across the island yeah, and I suppose on that scale could potentially, you know, be an important part of food resilience for for the island as well. Yes, that's right. As as you say, we produce at a mad rate, a lot more than I was expecting. Uh, so we are definitely going to be part of that. And also, we're going to move into herbs that are good for well-being, particularly mental well-being, um, calmness, etc. So that's where we're heading next. What herbs, where to plant them how to care for them. Great. Oh, we look forward to um, to seeing what turns up on, on the garden stall. <laughs> yeah, so keep an eye online because, um, as, as you say, Teresa, you need to be quick to, to snap some of that stuff up. You do. Yeah. Hey, so thanks so much for joining us this morning and good luck with the future of the garden. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure. You'll find the Reach Out Garden Stall on Carora Road. It's a great way to supplement what's coming from your own garden and support a worthy cause. Just before I go, I wanted to share a couple of highlights from my garden this week. One was a salsa made from tomatillos, tomatoes, spring onion, mint and chilli, all from the garden, along with some lime juice I'd saved from my last crop. And I've been keeping a keen eye on my passion fruit that is starting to colour up. I hope all is going well in your garden. If you have feedback or questions, you can contact me at chris at waihekiradio.org.nz. Thanks for listening, and please join me again next week. You've been listening to Waiheke, Can You Dig It? Tips and info for the home gardener on Waiheke Island, brought to you by Waiheke Radio. Waiheke Radio.